Welcome to Objectively Subjective, a podcast where whoops, a podcast where we objectively give you our subjective top five. It may be many topics. I can't cut promos. Um, some current, some relevant, <laughs> and others just because. Anyways, I'm one of your hosts, the beautiful Blake Allen, and beside me is the palatable Paul Jansen. <laughs> Uh, this week's topic is our top five uh, wrestling finishers. That is right. And why are we picking that? Um, well, WrestleMania Rest- is right around the corner. <laughs> technically. Te- uh, technically. Uh, okay, so... Cutting fly- promos is hard. It is hard. People don't give wrestlers enough credit. Uh, fly- you had to fly off the cuff. I had like to that. fly off the cuff, and yeah. it didn't work out well. No, you, uh, well, that was because it was Blake Allen trying to promo, not Bobby Fortune. Well, not Johnny Palm Tree. Johnny- oh, so it's Johnny Palm Tree now? Are we Are we evolving? We'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, top five wrestling finishers. Um. So, yeah, the original, I think, idea was top five uh, mania moments yeah but we feel like this coming mania is going to probably have all top five of those moments because <laughs> it's going to be in front of Nobody. no audience yeah it's a very unique situation like as in like with uh last week's episode which we spoke about the coronavirus is kind of uh shutting the world down right now so wrestlemania will be at the performance center in front of the no audience which should be extremely interesting it probably won't be eight hours long this time that's true that's a positive because yeah. they do need to cut those wrestlemanias a little shorter seven hours the last few years man now, I, I, I i'm a wrestling fan and not as much as i used to be but even for me man that's a lot that's a lot so um what's your history with wrestling oh man my i hi- could talk about wrestling even though i haven't been uh, I haven't been into wrestling the past what, two years, maybe. Yeah, give or take. It's still, uh, it was a big part of my life. Yeah, same, huge. Same, man. I grew up watching wrestling, you know, with my grandma, my papa, and my my dad and me used to watch the Monday Night Wars, you know, with, between WCW and WWE. You know, I took a hiatus there when I was too cool for it when I got a little older, mm-hmm. and then I got back into it uh, about seven or eight years ago, and then. Now I'm like you, been kind of, I've been paying attention, but I haven't been watching as much because honestly, the product hasn't been that great. Um, I will say this, I, for me, I'm not sure about you. I, I tried to keep mine mostly within WWE, WWF uh, wrestlers, uh, just because um, this was supposed to be for Mania, and like I said, the original idea was the Mania moments, uh, but we had to unfortunately. Um, reschedule all that stuff we'll probably do mania moments next year when we have a normal mania we just didn't feel like uh this was a good year to do that do that just because of everything going on so but we did want to talk about wrestling considering the week that this drops um mania will be the following sunday so we wanted to do something pertaining to wrestling so yeah what's Um, what's your complete history with wrestling uh you know, just like every other kid, I grew up watching it with my grandma, and uh, just like every other kid, just like every other every kid, kid watches it. With every every, I mean, every kid I know, that's the, who they watched it with. In the I did too. Yeah. I just told you that in the um, South, especially, yeah, yeah. I think it's a big Southern thing. Big, she was a big Ric Flair fan, so that carried on with me. But do you know what my grandma loved more than anything? She loved uh, Kurt Hennig when he did. She did the rap as he did the rap as crap gimmick at oh, WCW. Really? <laughs> 
my grandma's like, he's so right, rap is crap. <laughs> Uh, but most the my most memorable moments with wrestling is um, me and my dad every Monday. Now at first he was a big um, WCW fan, but um, every weekend I would stay with my cousins who were wrestling fans, and they introduced me to WWF. And WWF said bad words, so I attitude went era. I, attitude there. I went back to my dad's and I said, "Hey, there's this ball headed guy on WWF who's cussing." Let's see what that's about. And we barely kept up with WCW after that. It should be known that it's not the bald guy that is on your shirt. That Yeah, that I'm accidentally wore again this week. Yeah. It, 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 I noticed. I, it's crazy. Now that two weeks in a row we've done video, mm-hmm. we're wearing the exact same thing we were that's last week. That's weird. It's weird. I hope nobody notices. Well, they will now <laughs> since we called it out. This is George Costanza. This is not Stone Cold. But uh, anyways, yeah. So after, after my dad, or after I told my dad about WWF, it was... That was it. So, yeah, that's what's funny. During the Monday Night Wars, like when I was in Florida during the summer, my grandma only watched WCW. Uh, she did not like um, that Southern. Yeah, she liked the Southern wrestling with the Southern boys and, and she Goldberg. Did, and Goldberg, yeah, she didn't really care for WWE, uh, WWF at the time. Monster, because I think uh, mostly because it was uh, a little too racy for her. But when I'd be at home. You know, I would spend all summer getting these WCW storylines. I'd be invested when I got home. But my dad liked WWF, WWWWF, uh, because WWJDF. Uh, and if we're being honest, and avoiding PC a little bit in this one, the reason my dad was into WWF was how did the king put it? Puppies. Puppies. Well, yeah. I mean, as an eleven-year-old boy. Yeah, my dad was into the ladies, and so that was why he. And also, my dad liked the edgier stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, and it was pretty edgy for the time being. Yeah, you know, it's the attitude era. Oh, you had beer drinkers. Yeah, and, and you go back and watch it now; it's a little cringy, but it is, <laughs> especially when it comes to the females. The like now, the women wrestling division is legitimate, like it should have been then. And uh, it's a much, it's up there with the men. Like the number one wrestler in WWE right now is Becky Lynch. Mm. Like her, uh, like she is the face of WWE right now. So much so that she closed the show, uh, the last Raw with with Stone Cold instead of one of the other like you know Roman Reigns or somebody like that. It's Becky Lynch. So it's really cool to see how far that they've come and hopefully keep pushing forward. And they made event. They made evented uh, WrestleMania last year. Women did. It was Ronda Rousey and uh, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Yep. It was a great match, too. Um, so, yeah, man, that's kind of my history. So, basically, I'd be going back and forth. I remember, ironically, which, you know, it's funny. Like I said, so my dad would, between commercials, during a WWF commercial, we'd go to WCW. And uh, because he knew that I would be into it. Really, the first hour, I loved the cruiserweight stuff. Uh, once it got there toward the end and the NWO stuff, and it, was got, it got really bad there in the WCW. And... You know the whole Monday Night War story kind of uh, it uh, it turns when Mick Foley won the belt on Raw, and the whole thing is like people were flipping over. We naturally did that, and we just so happened to switch back because, like I said, we were watching WCW during a commercial break, and was it Tony Schiavo, whatever one of the, I can't remember who said it uh, was like, oh, they're about to give the belt to Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. My dad was like, oh, it's coming back click and they went back and i loved mick foley i was a big mick foley guy so um uh i was super excited to see him win the belt you know mrs foley's baby boy uh so 
And honestly, WWF was just a better product. It was a better product. It was better stories was, uh, for the most part. And it, they had things that WC didn't have. They had younger wrestlers, mm. not aging wrestlers. They, they had uh... they had Jim Ross. So, <laughs> that's a, that's I mean, true. that's a, not a joke. Mm-hmm. The Jim Ross, Jim Jim Ross is the reason that uh, I think I really gravitated toward WWE and stayed there because he's the greatest wrestling announcer of all time. He is. There's hey, no arguing that. Uh-uh. He, I mean, there's some of the Gorilla Monsoon was great. You and know? him and Lawler together are just They were I mean, perfect. iconic, iconic. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in Michael Cole and it kind of brought him down a little bit. But yeah. still, uh, you, I could take it. I don't really don't like Michael Cole. Never liked Michael Cole. You uh, didn't like Lawler versus Cole, oh, uh, WrestleMania? Yep. Which WrestleMania was that? 27, wasn't it? The same one where Miz and John Cena So was in Atlanta? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I think so. It was right around that era. Yeah, I, I, you can miss me with that. I appreciate it, but I miss it. The, be, the best tandem for it will always be Lawler and um, uh, Jim Ross. Mike Tanay is up there, too, one of my favorite announcers, but that's TNA and yeah. WCW. And there's some good young – I think Corey Graves does a good job now. I think Renee Young, before they took her off, was really, really, really good. Um, but And I also really liked the tandem when, they, when Macho Man was on the boards. Uh, with uh, Vince Young, uh, Vince McMahon, Vince Young, <laughs> Vince Young, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, no, Vince McMahon, and uh, back before he became, you know, Vince McMahon, we mm-hmm. all know. This is right when he started turning into Vince McMahon, we all know. You were fired. The Vince McMahon that refuses to cancel a WrestleMania would. 90,000 people until last minute. Yeah. He basically made Tampa go, we're closing this down. They Mm -hmm. said, fine, we'll just do it in front of nobody. Instead of postponing it like most people are. I understand because WrestleMania is kind of a big turning point for stories and the game. Yeah. That is the difference. Unlike with, uh, you know, regular sports. uh, Yeah. rigged sports yeah. wrestling's the only real sport because it is, it's an active story it's a tv show mm-hmm. basically so it's sports entertainment so you can't it, like they just don't want to stop the story and that's the biggest story turning point of the year for wwe and you can't just push those stories back two months and have to keep them going because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're not stopping i read an article the other day that was uh very poignant i thought uh what they should do with this whole situation is because they've been doing them live in front of an an empty performance center is for the safety of the wrestlers just tape them all that's that would be the the smart thing to do yeah for the next few weeks do them like in a two or three day span give them a break off yeah let them go home and rest in case they get sick and and i don't want to criticize the guy because i can't talk clearly and i can't wrestle clearly but you know let roman reigns have a few few shots at his promos yeah because now you can record it do them live right and I'll say this: I like Roman Reigns. So, yeah, I've come around. I don't love him, but I tolerate him. But like I said, it's with WWE now. It's less the wrestlers' faults and more the storytelling mm-hmm. and the writing. You keep putting Goldberg, a ninety-year-old Goldberg, over as a legitimate threat when he wasn't even a good wrestler in the nineties. And WWE giving scripts like, completely instead of letting the wrestlers kind of say what they want. Yeah, like they used to. Yeah, I think they kind of died when CM Punk left. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so he yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, the, uh, I forgot. So, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I think I think that's a good intro. I think we did a good solid intro. Uh, like I said, I, with, we said with last week's episode, before we go into the episode, uh, this is set. We are doing this during the quarantine when everybody is kind of isolated. So if, the, if this episode doesn't go very long, we apologize. I have a feeling this one probably will. It's a, a topic we both love, but 
uh, we were going to do the best we can given with time constraints and dealing with everything we got going on. So I don't want to reiterate everything we said last week. If you listen to last week, you know what's going on. Unless you're Ben and listen to them out of order, then this probably seems weird. <laughs> so anyway, top, our top five. I go first. You go first. Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. I get to go first. I'm the one who says things today. Then say things. I will when it's my turn. Well. And now our top five. Uh, Paul, what was your name again? Uh, Janssen. No, the... Uh, oh, my wrestling name? Yeah. Uh, wrestling name was Tommy... Ba- was, no, it was Tommy Banks, right? No, no Tommy Cash. opened with. Oh. Pa- I'm beautiful pa- Blake Allen. This uh, is a different company. I said palatable Paul Jensen. Palatable Paul Jensen. <laughs> yeah, ba- what is... Very, what is your number five? I'm a jobber. So, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> my number five. Um, there's been a ton of variations of this uh, move, but uh, the one that I'm specifically going to pick is uh, just it's simple, but it's gorgeous. Uh, my number five is Macho Man Randy Savage's flying elbow. It is a beautiful move. It is just gorgeous simplicity there's not a whole lot to it it's not like hulk hogan's dumbass leg drop uh, i will tell well, you this when we do a top we can five, go ahead and stop the show that's my number one yeah <laughs> i will tell you this going forward and i'm gonna go and spoil alert for every wrestling list that we do if it's top five anything hulk hogan will never never be on my list um so i uh, don't know what that was all about our screen just decided to black out it looks like everything is going According to plan, still with recording. <laughs> anyway, that was a uh, weird. I can say now too, with confidence, Hulk Hogan will never be on any of my list either. Yeah, I just I've hated I've, him since I was a kid. Yeah, I've never been a fan. Like, like even when I was little, I was like, okay, I get it. But even then, like when I was young, I was like Roddy Piper, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man. Those are my guys. Like I was Norman just, Smiley. Norman Smiley. <laughs> so that was my boy. <laughs> All right, so back to my number five. My number five is the flying el- uh, elbow, Macho Man Randy Savage. There have been, obviously, there's tons of variations of this. CM Punk. Okay, uh, I was about to say, yes. who does it almost as good? Well, it was a tribute. Like, he yeah. did it the exact same way. So, like, you know, what was cool about Macho Man's, you know, if you got video, you'll be able to see this. But when, like, Macho Man did um, his, like, it was he would get to the top rope and just, you know, he'd put the two fingers up to let people know. You know, it's about to happen. And it, it, it was even really funny because he always did it. So, like, if he was, you know, his opponent was recovering really quickly, he'd get up real quick go like this and then jump off. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but, like, CM Punk did the same thing. Like, because mm-hmm. it was an ode to Macho Man. He loved Macho Man. He was never hit. I think that was his favorite wrestling. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever played one of the greatest fighting slash wrestling games, WWE All-Stars, which I'm still waiting on a sequel. Yeah, but they had you him. keep waiting. I keep waiting. Uh, they had him versus uh, Macho Man because they're so similar. Yeah. As far, well, not, you know, he's more similar to Stone Cold, but... As far as his speaking his, wise, his wrestling ability is probably yeah. closer to Macho Man. Macho Man, Because, yeah. you know, Macho Man was... Uh, I'm not going to dive too much into Macho Man's history because I imagine we'll probably do a podcast or an episode about stuff like that. But uh, he was notorious for being... He memorized his matches better than anybody back then. Like, he was just very meticulous. He wanted the match to go exactly to plan. And CM Punk's the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a mastermind when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, but just, like I said, so with the flying elbow, man, it, there's not much to it. So the uh, the way the move works is the wrestler climbs to the top turnbuckle. 
he and when, when Macho Man, like I said, he gets to the top, stands up straight while his p- opponent's laying on the ground, puts two fingers, he puts his two fingers up in the air to signal, you about to get this elbow. And what made it, he was so athletic for a big man at the time. Like he, Well, he wasn't a huge man, but he was still pretty big. He, he was would, an intercontinental size man. Yeah. He would, until he got to WWE, mm-hmm. where he got steroided, um, he would fly. I mean, literally, he'd jump up to an apex out of the arena out of the arena what it felt like as a kid uh-huh. and i mean sometimes all the way across the ring ugh, and he would almost always nail it right under the dude's chin just bam right on his chest and it was just you know you could see it like these people back in the day when people had actual regular cameras you know what i mean he'd be at the apex and you see all these flashes pow, 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 of him just like people catching uh-huh. him perfect and he's still too in the air just like he was laying on a couch. Uh, dude, uh, they, I can't remember the name of it. There used to be a Tumblr uh, for Randy Savage where people just photoshopped him doing the flying elbow in a bunch of different uh, locations. Like one of them was like he's flying elbow in the Sarlacc pit mm-hmm. and like all kinds of stuff. I have to remember what it is, uh, but I, I think it's called Where's – yeah, it's called Where's Randy Savage. There's a Tumblr called Where's Randy Savage. If you Google it, it's really funny. Um, but, man, he – like it was just gorgeous. Like, And I, I remember – wanting being a kid i would just jump off the couch and elbow my cousins and you know elbow my stuffed animals and stuff like that it was the coolest thing in the world to see this dude flying because this is you know well before like cruiserweights and all these flips and stuff were really happening in america they were happening in japan and Mm. in mexico but they weren't really happening here so that was just amazing at the time where you had like i said uh you know, Ultimate Warrior just picks a guy up and drops him, and then, and then uh, Hulk Hogan is literally Which just is still impressive. Yeah, yeah, that, mean, yeah. It's really it's a lot of, but it's not fancy. It's like, not fancy. It, no, it's just but, hey, I'm this strong. Look how strong I am. Yeah. And, and then you had Hulk Hogan who was literally just dropping a leg on somebody, the laziest move in the world. Ah, oh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, what is it they say about him? In, uh because they had, uh, and it's always sunny. Oh, they said he was like um, something about his. It was something about oh, his he hair. Had, he has the skin of leather and the facial hair of a chi- old Chinese man. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hulk Hogan! What a racist joke. Um, <sighs> uh, he uh, anyway. So the, to me, uh, my also uh, I'm going to be mentioning my most iconic um, moments that these are used in for me that I think are. Uh, and to me, it was when in WrestleMania, I think uh, WrestleMania, I have it written down somewhere. Oh, WrestleMania four. So it was WrestleMania four when they had, I think they had the vacant WWF title, and Macho Man finally he won a tournament. He was a, I think he had Andre Giant in his corner, Hogan in his corner. I think it's when they were doing the uh, the superpowers or whatever when they united. He uh, uh, beat Ted DiBiase in WrestleMania final, and he nailed it. You nailed it, uh, nailed a flying elbow right before the pin, one, two, three. And I think that was the first, that's the first time he won the WWF because up, up until then, he was the Intercontinental guy. And this was his finally launch into main event. And it was just such an iconic moment for that move. And there are other really guys, he did it several times on Ricky Steamboat and WrestleMania three for the Intercontinental belt, but he lost that match. So <laughs> I didn't want to mention that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, my number five is the flying elbow by macho man randy savage which like i said everybody does variations of it now it's not a finisher anymore people do it as more of a common move now and as an ode to macho man because unfortunately macho man 
passed away several years ago. So, number five, Flying Elbow by Macho Man Randy Savage. That is a great number five, I will say. Um, I'm trying not to cross paths on this one. It's going to be hard. Yeah, I have I, I feared that we had a lot of the same, so... Um, my number five, and I'm I'm almost 100% positive it's not going to be on yours, is Starship Pain. Starship Pain. Who did Starship Pain? It's 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 a high flyer move technically. Okay. Uh, it's John Morrison. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Who's now back? He's back. WWE. That move, it don't look like it. It doesn't like it hurt, but like so. Ex- but it looks so ex- okay. Explain the move. For those who don't know what it looks like. It's hard to explain, but he basically he bounces with his two legs off the top rope and does this weird twist. It's like in the middle of the top rope, right? No, it's the top rope. Uh, Where the turnbuckle is. Yeah. He hits with his legs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got what I'm saying. Yeah. So his opponent is laying on the ground, on the the ring. Yeah, and it's like a uh, hits the two top, hits the corner, basically, with his legs and does a weird twist and... Onto the opponent. Yeah, it looks. I don't. I don't know if anybody else does it. Nothing like that. No. Yeah. Um, who was it? Who, who does it? One that uh, where he bounces off the top rope and then come. Somebody does something like that. I can't remember who it is. Oh, Ricochet does stuff like that. Uh, now, yeah, we probably variations does. Yeah. of it. Yeah, he does do a lot of stuff like that. Don't yeah. He? So, but it's just variations of it. it's not the Starship Pain. Okay, I know. I know what movie you're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starship Pain. Uh, that was the era of WWE where I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, so I don't know a whole lot about John Morrissey. I love John Morris, Morris' son, not John, Morrissey. John Morrissey. Morrissey. I, I, was, I was looking at you, so that's all I thought about. <laughs> okay, well, You're a big uh, Smith guy. John Morrissey, which he also had, what's, what, uh, Johnny, he had a bunch of different names. Uh, was, it was Johnny, what was his name in uh, Lucha yeah. Underground? It was, um. It's like Johnny Midnight or something, something like that. Something like, I want to keep saying Manziel, but he's not a quarterback. <laughs> Johnny Manziel, yes. His name in uh, Lucha <laughs> Underground was Johnny Manziel. He played quarterback for the Cleveland yeah. Browns for a little while. Did you like, you didn't like John Morrison at all? No, I didn't. I mean, like I said, I wasn't in that era. Okay, I well, That's do, when you, I kinda, do you remember his entrance? Nuh-uh. It was in slow motion. He had a slow-mo entrance? He would come out and he would do this, uh-huh. and his hair would blow. It was in slow motion. It was beautiful. So for those who aren't watching the YouTube, uh, Blake <laughs> flails his arms around mm-hmm. and flexes in some weird motion. Uh, you have to watch YouTube just to watch it, but there'll be a lot of probably motions done on the video. This I've will be been very- asking for years for him to come back to WWE, and now it's just too late. And now he's back with The Miz again, which, you know, that's a good partnership. It makes sense. I think they're currently the tag team champions. They are. They're the currently tag team champions on, on, on Raw, right? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. No, SmackDown. It's on Raw Down. One of the two. There's two sets of belts now. It's getting ridiculous. Um, so, uh, what? I don't know if you wrote it down. What's your? Do you have a favorite moment or usage? No, of I don't have a favorite use of it. Um, Anything memorable to you that sticks no, out? No, he did it so much. I just know that the move was awesome. That was his definitive. The finisher? reason and the reason I don't have a memorable moment because he wasn't my favorite wrestler. Right. I just really like that move. Yeah, there were a couple like that that I wanted. Yeah, to write he's down. like a mid tier. So, like, uh, for instance, like, and some of the ones I wanted to put down aren't always finishers. That's why I didn't put them down. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Sami Zayn's Blue Thunderbomb mm-hmm. is awesome, but it almost never is the finisher. He uses the hell of a kick or whatever. So, I avoided Haluva. Haluva kick or whatever it is. Yeah, hell of a which kick, is, which is a bad, it's a, it's yeah, a bad a move. Yeah, but a lot of people do that similar yeah. move. And if I'm gonna do that, I'll probably do something like the Kinsasha mm-hmm. or whatever, something more violent looking. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I didn't include it because it wasn't his definitive finisher. And that is, Starship Pain is his definitive finisher, correct? 
Uh, yes. Okay. As far as I know, unless some things have changed, or you know, because a lot of people have enough attention. <laughs> a lot of people have numerous. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like Daniel Bryan has more than one. Other people, a lot of people have more than one. But usually, most wrestlers have one they go to every time. So okay. So uh, anything else to add on that? No. So John Morrison. So John Morrison, my number. John Morrissey. John Morrissey. My number five. <laughs> he said, uh, "He said a starship plane crashes into <laughs> us." <laughs> So yeah, John Morrison's my number five. Uh, sick okay. move, sick move. It is a sick move. There, this list was hard. There are a ton of really good finishers. I have a feeling my list is gonna like because I don't have a bunch of legends. So, uh, yeah, but it's my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, some of mine are legends and some of mine aren't. Um, and I had three honorable mentions, which I had to narrow down. I could have mm-hmm. done a top ten list of this easy, um, but I had to narrow it down. So anyway, so I think it's my turn, right? For what number? Four. My number four. All right. So my number four is a move that I think is badass. It is not performed by a wrestler I love in particular, but I love this move. This move, and it's a move I... Okay, I'll I'll get into that later. It's a move I love to perform because it's just so fun. Uh, It's the pedigree. Well, I'll stop you right there. Yeah. That's my number four. Oh, our number fours are the same. Okay, so our number fours are both the pedigree performed by Triple H. Now, Seth Rollins also stole it from him. That's your boy. Yeah, but he did not do it good. No, it wasn't very good. No, because he, he had too much hop in it, mm-hmm. and it was kind of awkward. Always kind of went forward with yeah. it. And uh, so the pedigree is just like it's you know honestly it's a devastating looking move when it's done right because so the way it works is usually works with like you kick your opponent to the midsection. They bend over, you take their head, you stick it between their legs, you grab one arm, you grab the other arm, you put your arms underneath their arms, and then you just drop to your knees, and it's supposed to simulate you just piling their face right into the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any kind of move where the hit damage is done to the head, or it's supposed to look like it's done to the head, is a devastating-looking move most of the time. Because well, if, you, if you tuck your head wrong in that move, it is devastating. Dude, I was watching some highlights of it yesterday, because like I said, when I was doing all my research for this, like, uh, there was one, I can't. it was like on a Raw episode, where he performs it on somebody, and the person stuck their head straight down. He went up so high with it, and his head just went, that person's head went, boom, right off the... The, the ring i said that dude is out whoever that is is out cold but man there have been some like i said so i my little side story with this so when milo was about three or four i've told you this story before when Milo was like three or four he was really into wrestling with me this might have been what it got him out of it like we still all wrestle together and stuff me and penny and all that stuff and milo will wrestle around and have fun but we were wrestling and i had all these pillows on the floor and I was doing power bombs on him, and, you know, softly laying him down. I wasn't destroying my child, but we were. I, I did a. I put him up for the pedigree, and I slipped, and his head went right off the floor, <laughs> and he just started crying. And the, my wife, obviously mad at me, I'm apologizing, and so we don't do the pedigree anymore. Ever since the, uh, that was my fault. I'm a bad father. Uh, it. I, I didn't wasn't trying to actually do it. I slipped. It was it, that that was a hill move. It was a hill move. Yeah, it I was a hill move. Yeah. Hill dad. I was like, oh, we're just gonna do this. And I brought Lesnar to him and didn't pull the punch. See, I didn't put the pedigree on Atlas a lot. I let him do it to me. So you know, I would bend yeah, over and sell it and everything. Sell the hell out of. Back it when you used to job to him, and now I I don't job now. No, no. and I don't hold back my punches either. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. It's a joke. Uh, so yeah uh the 
alternate name for the pedigree is a double underhook face buster. I think uh, a lot of Japanese wrestlers used to use it and stuff. That's what they call it? Yeah. Is, uh, it's the, it's did the, the pedigree just come from Hunter because of yeah, his... Uh, yeah, yeah, because so his original gimmick was mm. he was this aristocrat, trip, uh, Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Mm-hmm. Before he was just Trips or Triple H, he was actually his full name. And he'd come out and, you know... Uh, puffy shirt Seinfeld style yeah. and the ponytail and, and so he was all about his pedigree and that was the, where the name of the, the finisher came from but the tradi- uh, the actual move was called a double underhook face buster which like I guess I think a lot of these moves are originated by Japanese wrestlers and I don't have all the details on them and I apologize because Japanese are just way better technical wrestlers so they come up with a lot of this stuff first but uh, what's your what's your uh, relation with the with the pedigree What's my relation with it? Like what? Yeah, like what? Like why is it your number four? It's just an iconic. It's just an iconic move uh, for the Attitude Era, and it got put on me a lot because I was a smaller cousin on the trampoline. Oh so, yeah, you know, I've taken a lot of pedigrees. Your cousins would be trips, and you'd be Shawn Michaels in DX, basically. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, I knew how to land it though. Yeah, I was a smaller cousin, so all the moves like, got got done to you. They got done to me. Yeah. So that's why when you have kids, you turn around and do I something. Say, yeah. See, I was the oldest cousin. So uh, I got to perform a lot of the moves. Well, I like well, my young, my young. Well, he's not my youngest, but my cousin. Oh, but I said you're. I thought you were talking about Atlas. You're like your onlyest. No, no, no. My cousin Adam. He is younger than me, but he's bigger than me. So I was his guinea pig. There you go. But you were gladly a jobber back then. That oh, was your yes. gimmick. Your gimmick mm-hmm. was you were a jobber. Mm-hmm. If that is a gimmick. That's a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, you were Gilbert. <laughs> I was. You were totally Gilbert. I was Gilbert. Um. Yeah, so like I said, uh, I was—I've never been a big Triple H fan. Uh, I like Triple H too. Yeah, you do. I—I yeah. I don't hate him. He's just kind of there for me. Um, I hate him more behind the scenes with what he. Uh, over the years, he's been unwilling to put people over, which he is now more so over putting people over. But so that kind of made me put a bad taste in my mouth for him for a while. Yeah, he—he's—he's he's kind of like. He won't. I'm trying to put words in my mouth. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, he's very selfish, but at the same time, he knows he knows about the business He's as he, far as young wrestlers that don't fight him. Right. <laughs> That's why NXT is such a good product. The yeah. guy can write. Yeah. The guy is really good at creative, and, and I anticipate what WWE will become when he has full control and, w, uh, and Vince no longer is messing things up. Um, it started to get good there for a while when they put Paul Heyman in control of creative, and now Vince, I think, has put his fingers back in it again, So, which you can see with Goldberg and Lesnar being the two title holders. That's all on Vince. I, 10 out of 10, that's not. Even though he is the advocate for Brock Lesnar, I, I think he understands that uh, the, what the fans want better than Vince does, like Paul Heyman does. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he'll eventually remedy that. So. Uh, like I did with the flying elbow, uh, I have a moment for me where the pedigree was the coolest execution of it, and uh, that was at Royal Rumble 2000, where he wrestled Mick Foley as Cactus Jack, and I I want to say it was I can't remember what uh, I think it was a hardcore not a hardcore match but I can't remember what they call it it was um, where they had tax and everything like no DQ yeah or... it was a no yeah no DQ or something like that. Uh, I don't think it was Falls Count anywhere. I think it was just like some. They probably had a name for the match, and I can't remember what it is. But it's the one where they had they were bloodied to hell. It was back when they used to actually still have blood. Uh, there were tacks all over the uh, ring, and he pedigrees McFoley, Cactus Jack, 
into the tax face first. And he had all these tacks in his face, you know, then he pins them one, two, three while he's bloodied up. Great match. Great match. But that, that to me is the, that went in uh where he uh pedigrees uh Chris Jericho on top of the cage. I can't remember what pay per view that was at. Um probably hell in a cell more than likely. When was this? Uh this was old Chris short hair oh, Chris okay. Jericho. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this is year this is probably early two thousands when he was still an active wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh so he pedigrees Chris Jericho on the top of the cage. Jim Ross was still in the company. Could you hear John Ross go, God no, I don't do it. Don't do it. Whatever. So it was it was intense. But those were probably my two most iconic uses of the pedigree. Well, since I'm lazy, I'll just say those are those are mine too. <laughs> Boy, I told you to write these down. Boy, I was trying to get my son's homework together. <laughs> homework, homework. Kids don't need to learn. Mm-mm. So, so my number four is the pedigree by triple h and also your number four my is number four is pedigree by seth rollins <laughs> so. uh okay so my turn again your turn <laughs> hopefully we don't match up the rest of the layer that's this will be a we're very, not we're just gonna quick up yeah i, I don't well. Think, well i know one of them is on both of ours 100 percent. it's probably both our number one but we'll get there when we get there mm-hmm. actually i think two of them are on it Probably. Or one and two. They might flip, but I don't think they are. I have a feeling, once I wrote them down yesterday, I was like, Blake's going to put both these down, but I can't not, I can't mm-hmm. do like I did with voice actors. Like, these are my favorite. I've got to put them on there. Um, but number three is one, it's one, it's it's more my uh, wild card pick like you had with John Morrison. And, and I had to put a high flying move on there. And I wasn't sure which one to do because there are so many great ones. I wanted, I almost put Eddie Guerrero's Frog, Frog Splash on there. Um, just because I love Eddie Guerrero, but so many people did it, and it's like it, it became uh, a very quintessential move for a lot of lucha wrestlers and stuff like that. So I was just like, uh, I was like, I'm not gonna put that on here. Mine, and, and the reason I put this one on here is because there's so many iconic uses of it by this wrestler, and it every time it happens, it is splashy. So like it's a big moment. You're like, holy crap! Especially how he used it. My number three is the Swanton Bomb by Jeff Hardy. Not on your list? It's not on my list, but okay. that is one move I can absolutely pull off. The Swanton Bomb? Yes. You can do it? I can do it. Without breaking your neck? Without breaking my neck. I cannot. I, I can't can ba- I can't backflip at all to save my life. It's not a backflip. The Swanton Bomb? Mm-hmm. It's the one where... Oh, it's a front flip. It's, it's a front, front flip. flip. Front but flip, you yeah. almost break your neck. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to hold it, like, mm-hmm. so long. You have to hold it. So, um, uh, the move... It's called a Swanton Bomb. It's actually originally called a Senton Bomb. It's it's another Japanese move mm-hmm. that he re- he renamed the Swanton Bomb. I guess more because like a, a swan dive is I guess uh, where he maybe changed it from Senton to Swanton. Uh, Swanton. Um, so I could talk about this move forever. So the first and foremost, let's go ahead and describe the move like we did with the other ones. So the wrestler in this case is Jeff Hardy gets to the top of something. Usually it's the top rope on a normal like Monday Night Raw match. And uh, he also does two fingers, but not straight up. He does them out like a, like two guns, whatever. And then he uh, jumps up in the air and cuts a slow front flip, landing uh, with his opponents on the ground, landing on his back on the chest, and it kind of rolls off mm. and rolls up and pins him usually. Uh, what makes this move so impressive to me for Jeff Hardy is his uses of it. It's not 
there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, the red arrow is much more impressive when it comes to high flying move, but you're not going to red arrow off a Titan Tron because you can literally die. There's a lot of easier ways to recover from a, either a Centaur Bomb or a Frog, frog Splash from those heights. So what makes Jeff Hardy so impressive is he's done them off Titan Trons, off the top of ladders, off of buildings, cages. You know, like he's done them at super high moments and he's done these countless times in TLCs with the Hardy Boys, Edge Christian and the Dudley Boys. Um, he's uh, done them off the Jumbotron. I think it was, I can't remember who he was uh, having a feud with then. This was early years when he was doing IC stuff. Um, but uh, I want to tell you my favorite is when he was feuding with CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a uh, feud with us when he wrestled for the belt for the, the big gold, beautiful belt at uh SummerSlam. And it's, uh, the one where he's up, I think it's a ladders match and he has, um, he get, he has a ladder on the outside of the ring and he gets up on the top of the tallest ladder and CM Punk's on the Spanish announcer's table and he swanton bombs through CM Punk through the table. And it, cause he's done them off jumbotrons and titantrons, but nine times out of 10, they have big mats underneath and they, the camera angle kind of takes away from the landing. So you don't get to see a lot of the actual damage done. There's some of them there. Like when they did the TLC matches where you see them through tables and stuff, it's pretty impressive. But this one, the camera was right on it like you could see like every bit of damage done like the camera sees him how far he climbs it gets at a distance up close and then the camera comes close when he lands right on CM Punk and bust right through the table and that feud was really 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 good and I think that moment kind of culminated that feud like it in a big splashy moment like mm. um I just like I said that's the one move that I on my list that I can't do that I would love to be able to do but uh, when I was a kid, I was I I was always afraid to do flips and plus I was ready to break my neck. Plus, on top of that, like you know, my aunts and parents and stuff would have never let me cut a front flip on a live human being. Or if they caught me catching a front flip off the top of something, they'd be so mad. Well, it was the only move I can't cut uh, because you know I didn't have to pick anybody up, so you know I had to learn how to do that. The frog splash, I mastered that. Yeah, I can do the frog other splash. Other than that, I wasn't picking anybody up. See, the frog splash was easy, too, because you could do that on your cousins because you, you catch yourself. You don't mm-hmm. put any weight on the person. So yeah. I'd always get away with doing that one. Um, Back to the CM Punk and Jeff Hardy feud. Uh, that's one of my favorite feuds. Uh, um, you know, CM Punk making fun of Jeff Hardy's hard lifestyle. and His drug usage. Yeah, and, stuff. and Jeff Hardy making fun of the, uh, the straight, straight edge. edge. Like, and the whole thing is, like, you know, looking back on it, because this was before. Jeff Hardy left right after he left the belt, right, for TNA? Yeah, TNA. And that's kind of when his real-life situation mm-hmm. took a turn, unfortunately. Like, I yeah, I think this is when you were active in TNA. Remember when he, that's when he feuded with Sting toward the end of his TNA run over the TNA championship, and he was so drunk that the match on live pay-per-view, like, Sting is, like... He's frustrated. Yeah, you could hear him talking to him like, hey, let's go, let's go. The match almost didn't happen either because he was running late to get out there. And when it happens, and so Sting eventually just, you know, uh, puts him down, I think, with a, a scorpion death drop, pins him one, two, three, like in a quick pin. And the match is over in like literally like three minutes. It was, it, it, you can find it on YouTube. If it's YouTube, Jeff Hardy versus Sting. I think it's in the Jeff Hardy 24-hour thing mm-hmm. on uh, on uh, the WWE Network. But that's a whole other story for a different day. Um, 
there are a lot of tragic stories for amongst wrestlers. We might do top five wrestling tragedies one day, which would be a sad moment, but there are a lot of them. Unfortunately, it is a hard business, at least harder, not as hard as it used to be. They take really good care of the wrestlers nowadays and travel is a lot easier and healthcare is a lot better. And these guys are just in way better shape. Mm-hmm. They take care of themselves like real athletes. Whereas back in the day, they were weightlifters who did drugs and drank a lot. And there was a part. Well, they had to stay on pain medication. Yeah. And where now is they do better treatment. And honestly, there were fewer wrestlers back then. So, like, you wrestled a lot more and a lot more. Main, like now you have so many wrestlers, people get breaks. There are a lot of weeks where they're not even on the show. So, that'd be, uh, I think, a good category for another day. Um, but anyway, yeah, my number three, Swanton Bomb by Jeff Hardy. What's your good number three? Yeah, what's your number three? Uh, my number three, and is technically, uh, he's technically a WWE wrestler. Technically. Well, he is. No, technically. But his the move is from Ring of Honor. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the UFO from Claudio Castagnoli. Oh, so... so uh, Ant- Antonio Cesaro. It's basically... He does the big swing now. Yeah. This, is, this was basically he a does way the, better... Well, he does the, and the Swiss uppercut. The Swiss uppercut, um, which is the best uppercut in the business. Oh, easily. Um, it was. It's basically a big swing, but... It's a torture act. So he he picks him up, puts him on the puts, shoulders. Puts him on the shoulder, does a torture act. And he's holding him at first, okay. but he's spinning around, spinning around, and he lets go. And does the Superman pose, and he keeps spinning and keeps spinning until they f- fall off. So, so they're, just balance, U- they're balancing on the top. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen this. And it's called UFO, the Unidentified Flying Opponent. <laughs> it was my favorite wrestling move ever. And I was so upset when he didn't bring it to WWE. I yeah. don't know why. Uh, it's probably dangerous in WWE at that era. Era was really, you know, smartly hmm. worry about their uh, wrestlers. Not, and I mean, because there've been a lot of them that, a lot of moves that have been taken out. Like I don't think you can pile drive anymore outside of unless you're Taker. Uh, no, um, no, you can't. But didn't somebody recently do it? Didn't John Cena do it recently? I don't know. I know Undertaker still does a tombstone pile, yeah. but their head's like eight feet above the ground. When they're they right it. under his crotch. And it's not even, it's not even believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, it looks kind of stupid. But, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, look it up. Yeah. It's, it doesn't look like it hurt. Well, I mean, he is also, what, 6'5", maybe? It's pretty, it's a pretty, you know, steep fall. Oh, you're talking about Cesaro? Cesaro. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there's a lot of equilibrium problems. You can land wrong because mm. you don't you really can't judge where you're landing sometimes with a move like that i guess so uh that's why i guess they simplified it with the giant swing because do you like the big swing i i think it's fun i mean i like it i like it but it's not an effective move it's which not, i don't think it's a finisher it's either. not as fin- no his finisher is a swedish uppercut i'm pretty sure yeah well he, you know he turned a big swing into uh with when he was uh tagged with no he's the neutralizer is his finisher what is it that's the one where he like he like does like a lock and picks them up and then slams them down. Oh, okay. On his butt and their. Well, I know he head. turned a big swing into. Uh, he would swing and then Sheamus would do the kick, the bro kick, or something or the drop kick or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's a fun. It was a fun move, man, and uh, I like the giant swing a lot. Like it's a good middle move, signature move, whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, it gets the audience involved. You count how many times they spin around and. But at no point do you go, well, that's going to finish a guy. Because <laughs> yeah. you just literally let them go, and they slide, and now they're just disoriented. It's basically like a more entertaining sleeper. Honestly, it's a more entertaining sleeper move, because sleeper's a boring move. Uh, like, and uh, it's just, uh, it, it, like I said, it's a, a high-flying version of the sleeper. Mm-hmm. You're basically putting them out of commission for a minute. Um, yeah, so 
Once again, your number three is UFO by Cesaro. By Cesaro. But he was called what in Ring Claudio Casagnola. He was tag partners with Chris Hero, Kings of Wrestling, best tag team in the world. Pre, now, that's now let's look Chris at, Hero, right? Yeah, let's look. What's his name now? Ono. Ono, Chris Ono, or something, something like or just, that. I, he's technically employed by WWE, still in NXT, but mm. he, I haven't seen him wrestle in I, NXT in I a while. was so excited that he was coming, but then it was a little too it, late. And Trips loved him, and, yeah. but he got put on a lot of weight. And so it just, you know, how Vince is. That loaded elbow, though. Yeah. That dude looked. Was fully loaded. That thing was fully loaded. <laughs> and we had sour cream and <laughs> chives and bacon bits. Yeah. Uh, Baconator loaded elbow. But. <laughs> All right, so uh, your number three is the UFO. So we're on to my number two, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's where we get into the meat and potatoes. These top two are uh, very, very close for me. But uh, I, I, number one was always number one, and I n- never really varied, honestly. So uh, my number two, there have been a ton of people to use this move since then and before this, but one wrestler made it iconic, and it is a simple move, but it is flashy and super effective and i still do it to this day and i know you do my number two is performed by a sexy boy it is sweet chin music by sean michaels otherwise known as a super kick um unfortunately a super kick isn't really used as a finisher anymore people do it all the time Mm -hmm. in every move but the way sean michaels used it nobody was using it back then like when Shawn Michaels, I think also Vince probably kind of put a squash on people using other people's finishers. Uh, now they just really don't care because there's, it, it's so hard to be innovative nowadays because there's only so little you can do. So people have to make variations of other people's finishers. But, uh, I mean, a ton of people have used this. Dolph Ziggler uses it. Um, he does it as an ode to Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, Seth Rollins uses it. Uh, yeah, he used it. Tajiri used it. Um, uh, Lance Storm used it. Uh Mick Foley did a funny version when he was Dude Love. He did the Sweet Shin music. (laughs) (laughs) I love Mick Foley, man. Uh, Mick Foley may not be the most talented wrestler, but, man, that dude did the most with the least. The guy had more passion than, honestly, probably any wrestler ever. Like, the guy just had no quit in him. But that Sweet Shin music, I mean, that's when he was feuding with Shawn Michaels as Mm -hmm. Dude Love. Um, But, uh... Sweet chin music. Okay, so what sweet chin music is, or a super kick? A t- a typically, a super kick is it's just like it's a side kick to the chin of somebody or to the face of somebody. And people usually just execute it randomly now, but what made they don't it, tune it up though. Yeah, so that's that's, that's the music. Yeah. this is what made Shawn Michaels so impressive at the time. Um, Shawn Michaels was really the first small guy to be main a main eventer in WWE, which is also a big deal for small guys like us. That's why, probably why I love Shawn Michaels so much. I think he's doesn't get the love that he probably deserves. The uh, best seller of all time up there would maybe Ric Flair. Him and Ric Flair are the two best sellers of all time. That's why I think we both love Ziggler. Because mm-hmm. Ziggler is our generation's Shawn Michaels. So, just so... Anyway, it's the way he does it. He gets in the corner when his opponent's reeling. He's trying to slowly get up. He just, boom, stomps. Boom, stomps. With the way kicking leg, and he stomps faster. Faster. He's tuning it up. Tuning it up. Tuning it up. And the, and the crowd is just getting... You know, they're rising and they're getting it crazy and then like and then the opponent wakes up turns and just pow straight side straight side kick to the chin one two three uh sean michaels uh does the damn thing and 
I love it. I know you perform it on Atlas all the time. Mm-hmm. I perform it on the kids all the time. I, I, well, it's easier to, you know, I can't do it to a full-grown adult. Exactly. I, I can't get my leg that high. <laughs> it's easier to uh, to sweet chin music a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> like, so just, but, you know, obviously we don't actually kick them. And the key is, to, like, you want to, what wrestlers do is they slap their leg. They slap that side so it sounds like it connects. And the best people at it time it perfectly. And the best people at it can get that uh, foot right at the chin to make it look like it connects. Well, you know, Shawn Michaels said that all he has, you know, just gently touch the chin. That's all he's doing. Yeah. And but you, the best wrestlers are looking like they're getting their head kicked off. Yeah. And people that, and bravo to the people who sell it really well too because, but that isn't, I mean, like I said, it's simple, but a side kick from a large human being straight to the face is a, I mean, that's a big time move. You knock a dude out, you kick him in the face. So, like, in the way he sold it and the and the build up of it was just brilliant and um he turned what would normally just be a common attack but that's an, that's another one of those things where you need an audience yeah the, the audience has got to it's got to be built because that do mm-hmm. do and the audience is just rising yes 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 it's going to happen and then the connection and the audience pops as soon as he hits him you know, and obviously it was it's a, it's a finisher that people could reverse. Because that's another thing too is like that WWE's gotten pretty bad about is people kick out of finishers too often now. Back in the '90s and in the '80s, if you got hit with a finisher, unless you're Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior, you weren't kicking out. Mm-mm. The match was over. So like they would have false finishes where like in a sense that where um, he would uh, like say he went to go kick and the guy dives out of the way and then maybe he turns it into another move. And then, or then he like, or he reverses it again and then does a quick sweet chin music. So to build tension and stuff, but, um, but so many people use the super kick now that, like I said, it's a good, uh, pace breaker. Like people will be going like, say for instance, Dolph Ziggler, he's getting his butt kicked, butt kicked and all of a sudden he gets thrown off the rope and boom, sweet chin music. And now they're both getting a time to rest. That's more what it's used for now. No, but I don't think anybody does it as a finisher anymore. The super kick, unfortunately, even though I still think it's an awesome move, but everybody's so athletic now and mm-hmm. most of the half the wrestlers in in the company are the size of Shawn michaels now so everybody can do it so it was what made it more unique then too because he was doing it on these big guys back then and it, and it was just awesome yeah uh, even though everybody's doing it they still can't do it like him no nah, no nah, it, it like i said it's the charisma the guy had the delivery the timing he just the execution of it it was so smooth looking too like it was a good straight leg like some of these guys that do it now like it uh even ziggler's like it looks okay it doesn't look great but it looks solid enough he's not a martial arts guy neither was Shawn michaels but Shawn michaels knew how to do that straight leg sidekick man it was i love Shawn the heartbreak kid that's my dude Mm -hmm. uh anyway my number two oh yeah i wanted to uh I also got to give you my most iconic because okay. I did that for my other ones. Um, there are so many. Um, a battle between two. So one, the first time, the first iconic one is when he separates himself from Marty Jannetty and he super kicks him and then throws him through, through, a window. through a window. But to me, the most iconic and most important one to me is the retirement match with mm. Ric Flair. The the visible, I love you, I'm sorry, Boom, Sweet Chin Music, one, two, three, to end Ric Flair's career. Well, you know, that was the first time I've ever asked myself, is wrestling real? Right. Why is he apologizing? <laughs> well, you know, they're really close friends in yeah, real life. And, like, you could tell, like, you, wrestlers know when this is it. Well, yeah, I was watching that with a group of friends, and I think we were all... Misty-eyed? 
yeah, a little we were bit. all like, man, my sinuses. Yeah, that, that was a big moment, man. Because uh, Ric Flair is a he's he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Like, even if he's not your number one favorite, you can't mm. deny pure ability and what he uh, what he did for the business. Anyway, so my number two, Sweet Chin Music, Shawn Michaels. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is Figure Four. Your number two is a figure four. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, dive into it. Uh, figure four. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been put in the move. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts really bad. Legitimately. Uh, figure four is famously done by Ric Flair. Woo! I didn't write down much because I don't need to. Uh, let's see. Um, Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler, like you just said. Describe the move real quick before All you right. dive into Ric Flair. Let's see if I can. You basically just put your opponent's legs into a four they look like the number four it looks like the number four and you're putting you're putting really hard strain on so your leg is through the center of the four yes and then your other leg is on top top of of the the foot yeah where the four comes out and makes the angle yes and you're putting pressure on it on the shin too and it it hurts hurts. the only way to relieve the pressure is to flip the person putting it on you over yeah that's the only way and it's one of the most believable uh submission moves Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why it's really impressive like uh i wanted to put a submission move in mind man it's just uh as much as i I like them more now as an adult as a kid i didn't care for them outside of uh that one the cripple cross face Mm -hmm. uh i really liked a lot and which is you know the yes lock and uh the kimura lock is that Shit looks painful. I don't like so like If there's somebody in a figure four, that's legit. There's no way to. No, it hurts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you're legitimately applying pressure to that move, like mm. if somebody, you could snap somebody's leg if you really were doing it. There's nothing more exciting too than putting them on, putting it on somebody near the ropes, and he's like, ah, screw that, drags, drags them out to away. the middle of the ring. And that's what made that move so submit, uh, so, uh, so powerful is he still had your whole upper body to do mm-hmm. whatever you wanted with it so you had all the leverage you could pull them away uh because uh, they're in pain so they're not thinking to fight back mm-hmm. and you've got all the leverage and so uh you could pull them away and stuff you could rake at eyes of your rick flair uh yeah so great great move uh, and you know an iconic moment for that move is also the retirement match yeah i mean there's, there's so many that match is a is a I don't even know if it technically got a five star, but it is. <laughs> I, you could literally do a top ten top uh, Ric Flair moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dude's so iconic, uh, and you could do a top ten figure four moments. Um, and any time I got into an argument with a UFC fan, which happened a lot because they always picked on me, I would always say, "Let me put you on a figure four, and then tell me it's fake." Right, like legitimately, let me do it. Yeah. We also do the Ric Flair chop. That's the Ric another Flair way. chop. When you people let you Ric Flair chop them, and they go, uh, like Brandon, he slapped him. He said, "That didn't hurt." Then we walked to break. He said, "Do oh. <laughs> was struggling to breathe." You get Rick, really chopped. That stuff hurts. The Ric Flair chop and the figure four both. Yeah, man. If you get it done by Ric Flair, you're gonna die. Woo, uh, man, Ric Flair. That's my dude. That's my dude. That's my dude. Um, that's my dude. Um. So, do you have any uh, personal moments or uh, history with the figure four? Uh, you know, other than it's got put on me a lot, and I've put it on my cousins a lot. That's, that's one, the one we can exchange. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, like, it's such a good tension mm-hmm. move, too, because now the audience is, is he going to tap? Are they going to tap out? Are they going to tap out? The will they, won't they? The rope break, pulling mm-hmm. them away. It's it's such a good drama move, submission move. Um, good storytelling move. Yeah, because unlike some any kind of submission move where you're covering the mouth or the face of the opponent, 
um, kind of takes away from some of the drama. Like, but in this moment, both faces are, you can see the pain. You can see him wanting to tap. You can see all the expressions and it's just great storytelling. You story can see telling. him headbanging. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's a great move. It's great. Because it's real. Okay. So your number two again. My number two is figure four by Ric Flair. Or figure four by Ric Flair. So we, uh, so now we're going to do, uh, our honorable mentions. Yeah. All right. Uh, these are the moves that almost made it. Almost. Which these legitimately almost made it. They did. Uh, like this isn't like uh, I struggled to make this as I had to struggle to keep my honorable mm-hmm. mentions low. Um, so you want me to go first or you want to go first? Uh, Go ahead. Okay. So, my first honorable mention is the figure four leg lock. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I, I didn't put any submissions on there, but that's the one I really wanted to. I almost put it at my number five, but I had to get Macho Man in there. Um, the figure four, uh, as you said, the only thing I'll add on is it's been done by a lot of people since then. Uh, his daughter. The figure eight. She, the figure eight, which is just like it's she elevates it mm-hmm. and make, adds even increased pressure, which takes a lot of athleticism. Um, the Miz, because the Miz loves Ric Flair. He does. He does it. Um, Buddy Rogers created the figure four. Uh, I did want to add that too, but obviously Ric Flair made it popular. Uh, Shawn Michaels did a variation of it. I want to say I could be no, wrong. No, or he did the sharpshooter. Right. Probably because of Brett. Brett Hart. Hart. Yeah, because of Brett Michaels. Also, um, an, I, you know, another painful submission move, looking move is the lion tamer. Lion tamer. <sighs> look, you break that dude's back every time they do it. I want to say AJ Styles did it for a while. The Lion Tamer version? No, of uh, figure four. Yeah. I it, could be wrong. Because... It's, it's the most popular submit leg submission move, easily. Uh, that and an ankle lock. But ankle mm. lock, I, I, ankle lock's never been believable. You have a whole other leg, you just kick the dude. Exactly. It's like, that makes and no it sense. Didn't, it didn't help that Kurt Angle was the one doing it. I couldn't stand him. Yeah. So, and, but anyway. I was a kid, though. I like him now. Oh, my other honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, another one is, I wanted to get a tag team finisher in there. Um, I, I almost went with the heart attack. Uh, the 3D, which I do like 3D, but 3D is not effective if you don't have a table involved. Mm. So I went with uh, a finishing move of my my first ever favorite tag team uh, is the Doomsday Device, done by the Road Warriors. Uh, the Legion of Doom is basically you get a a guy is sitting in elect an electric chair pose on top of other guy's shoulders, and usually consists with them. The, uh, one of the members gets on the top ropes and jumps off and clotheslines the hell out of the guy off the top. And they, they usually cut flips and fall off. It's a very dangerous move. But it when you see two huge dudes performing that move, it looks even stronger. Uh, so that what that I wanted to get a tag team finish in there. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some form of a powerbomb because a powerbomb is a very impressive move. Um, but my honorable mention is the pop-up powerbomb by Kevin Owens. I think it's the, the prettiest looking powerbomb. And he catches them in mid-motion, throws them up in the air, and slams them down. Um, obviously, you have stand-up ones like uh, uh, Nash and Batista have done powerbombs. You have the, Taker did a power. Was that Hell, uh, Hell's Ride or Last Ride, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, D'Lo Brown did the sitting powerbomb. A bunch of different versions of it. But Kevin Owens liked to do it on the... Um on the sides of Side, the but it was called a curtain bomb wasn't it yeah. yeah but he's done it he can do it anywhere that's what it, yeah. it's his rko that's yeah. why i think it's awesome and um but like 
Nash had the ugliest power bomb in the world. He almost broke people's necks all the time. The other very because he was seven foot tall. Yeah, the other variation I and, and because he was a bad wrestler. Honestly, he's a terrible wrestler. Kevin Nash is an awful wrestler. He uh he got he the only reason he was relevant is because he was pretty and seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one I almost put on my list is uh on the honorable mentions is the razor uh, the razor's edge, which is a variation of the power bomb. It was either the razor's edge or this, and I end up just going because the power bomb pop up power bomb is flashier. Yeah, and I like I think it's the best execution of a power bomb. So those are my honorable mentions. Well, you've mentioned both of mine. Uh, Sweet Chin is honorable mention. Ooh. I guess yeah, that's not your number one because I know what your number one is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and pop up power bomb. Pop up power bomb. Yeah. Awesome. I love that move. It's awesome, mm. and it's not his finisher anymore, is it? No, he does. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Uh, we're going to talk about it in the very near future. I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a feeling. He has a new finisher now. Um, so, I think without further ado, we get to our... Okay, we're just going to do our number one at the same time. It's the same one. Yes, yeah, Brad it, Shaw's clothesline, right? It, well, the worm. Scotty Too Hotty. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, dang it. Let me go back. <laughs> All right, on the count of three, legitimate... One, two, three. Stone Cold. Yeah, Stone Cold Stunner. My number one is the Stone Cold Stunner. (laughs) Uh, It, without a doubt, was never not going to be the Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, Made famous by Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a variation of a cutter. It's it's like a sit-down jawbreaker, but it's a variation of a cutter. It's a kick in the gut and drop on the chin. It is literally the most badass finisher, and it's so simple. But it looks like it hurts. Like, you kick a guy as hard as you can in the midsection, and then you grab him by his head, you sit down and slam his neck and throat area. You missed a very key element, though. You kick him in the gut as hard as you can, you give him two birds. No, that's at the end. That's at the end. At, oh, no, no. Actually, sometimes, sometimes it's it. at the beginning. Yeah, and sometimes, but so you, I guess it don't really matter. You yeah, get you, two birds at some point. At some point, yeah. <laughs> it, so, yeah, his, his... Okay, so, like I said, you hit him, and then you grab him by the throat, you sit down straight, and they just bounce their head off, and... Uh, this is a move that The Rock sold brilliantly all yes. the time. He, uh, the one that Santino Morello sells when he comes out there with uh, Steve Austin's the GM, mm. and he bounces literally up and out of the ring <laughs> over the top rope. It always works better too with a with beer in your mouth. Oh yeah, which, oh when he when he does it to Booker T, that was the best beer in the mouth one. So he hits Booker T with the stunner. He hits it, and as he's going back, sprays the beer all mm-hmm. over. It was beautiful. What is your favorite stunner moment? I do have this. Uh, my favorite stunner moment is the most iconic stunner moment of all time. The first time ever Vince McMahon takes any legitimate damage when he tells is when he's feuding over the Intercontinental Belt. He's mad he doesn't get it, and Owen he beats the hell out of Owen Hart. He tell all these security guards show up, and for the first time ever, he tells he's like he tells it's like Steve, you gotta do what's right for the business and blah blah blah, and then boom, stuns the hell out of Vince McMahon, the boss, right there on live TV on Raw, gives him double birds, gets down in his face and just, just shakes bar- that ball head, barking like a dog mm. in his face. That and just uh, iconic. Uh, that's that's my favorite. I mean, uh, there's a lot of great stunner moments. There's too many. You could literally look at a hour-long compilation of stunner moments mm-hmm. but that to me is the most iconic uh my favorite is when he stuns linda mcmahon and she just falls over because she don't know what to do <laughs> Nah, uh my favorite is scott hall oh yeah that's a good he other. stuns him and he almost bounced out he bounces out of the arena <laughs> <laughs> oh also another favorite line is when he stuns 45 he stunned did he stun donald trump he stunned donald, donald trump. trump he stunned our president 
Um, he's oh my god. You know what? Going back to Shawn Michaels, he's actually sweet chinned a little girl. Uh, oh, <laughs> backstage. Uh, but anyways, back to Stone Cold. Uh, yeah, I the stunner. I yeah. put the stunner on so many people. It's the most fun move to do, and it's the easiest to sell because you 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 can stop how far you go down. Mm-hmm. The object is when you hold the person's head, you don't hold it tight so that they can move. It is the most i've always always said that if i could have three wishes one of my wishes is that i could go around the world and stun people with no repercussions anytime i wanted <laughs> like i could just drop you with a stunner and there's nothing you could do about it well it's, it's like also it doesn't have to be in a wrestling match you know if stone cold walks out and is in a ring no matter what you're oh, somebody's about to get stunned what is it the the monday night raw where it's a battle royale it's like what it's the big show it's like eight big name wrestlers the rock all that. and he comes running out of nowhere as the last person to come out and he comes out and stuns every that's like kurt angle everybody mm. his feud with kurt angle where he gives him a little tiny hat uh, cowboy hat uh, i love stone cold Still i do Austin. too uh, uh do you remember um the worst match in wrestlemania history uh brock lesnar and goldberg, goldberg yeah and he was the ref yeah and he had to save it by just giving both the stunner <laughs> the end of it and the, and the fans loved it <laughs> Because they were booing the whole time. They're mm-hmm. you sold out chance and yeah. stuff like that. And I love the the Texas rattlesnake, the badass. All yes, yeah. I'll give it away when we're recording this, but <sighs> we're a little. You know, we record. It's no shit. Everybody records ahead of time when they do podcasts. There's uh, three sixteen was yesterday. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin day. Uh, Austin three sixteen says, "I just whooped your I ass." I should have wore my hoodie. Yeah, you should have wore your hoodie. Uh, that, that would have given away though. Yeah, and you know that way people don't see that we wore the same thing two weeks in a row. That's right. That too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, number one was I literally when I made my list. The way I usually make my list is I put a whole bunch of candidates down, and then when I I, I put the number down beside them as I narrow down which I want to do my top five, I put all the names down and I immediately put a one beside the Stone Cold Stunner. Yeah, that was the first. That was the first thing I wrote down. It's just God, I fucking love. I, I, sorry. Beep. That uh, was a bad word. Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't list as explicit. I apologize to all underage kids listening to the show. I did not mean to say that. It's just that we're that we're talking about attitude, Eric. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Stone Cold man. Stone Cold. We will eventually do our top five favorite wrestlers, and and maybe we will do like I said next year. We'll do our Mania moments, but so uh, I should get my five down again mm-hmm. okay so my five number five flying elbow macho man randy savage number four pedal pedigree by hunter hearst helmsley triple h number three is the swanton bomb by jeff hardy my number two is sweet chin music by sean michaels and my number one is the stone cold stunner by stone cold steve austin all right uh my number five was starship pain by john morrison uh four was pedigree by seth rollins i mean uh triple h uh, number three was UFO by Cesaro. Ugh, I want to be a smart. Anyways, uh, number two was Figure Four by Ric Flair, and number one was The Stunner by Stunning Steve Austin. Hollywood Austin. Hollywood Stunning Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so where are we at now? Uh, it's time for a segment that we call. It's the weekly recommendations, baby. All 
right, uh, this is our weekly recommendations. Uh, be TV, movie, games, books. So what you uh, watching or reading or looking at this what week? A, I started a show um, that I have recommended to you personally that I want you to give a try. Uh, just give it a shot. Uh, the show is called Dave. It's uh, it's stars Little Dicky, the comedian rapper, and it's basically hip hop curb your enthusiasm. It's even written and created by Jeff Schaefer, who writes for Curb Your Enthusiasm. He wrote for Seinfeld. It's essentially that. It's on Hulu. It's three episodes are out right now. It's week to week. Um, it's FX as well. If you watch it on live TV. It is really funny. It is really offensive. It is not for kids at all. Um, it, Like I said, if you like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but you want something that skews a little younger uh, version of that, uh, like far as like, you know, ages 25 to 40, this is probably more your speed if you want to give that kind of humor a try. Um, it's very self-aware. It's uh, Dave Berg, uh, uh, who is Lil Dicky, making fun of himself being Lil Dicky. He portrays himself as Lil Dicky in the show. Just like Larry David does himself and Curb Your Enthusiasm, but everybody else kind of loosely fictionally based around him. There are real, like, real live hip hop stars in it. Macklemore's in an episode. YG's in an episode. It's it's funny, um, and I think you should give it a try. I know you don't like Lil Dicky. I'm not a big on Lil Dicky either, but this show is really funny, and I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. It's not as good as Curb, mm. but it, it's a good filler when we now that Curb's ending. We got one episode left of that, so. My weekly recommendation is the TV show, Dave. My uh, recommendation is also a TV show because I'm uncultured and I don't read. Uh, it's Dev. Devs. It's Devs. It's also FX on Hulu. Yes. Right? Yep. Um, I know there are at least two episodes on there. Uh, we Two or three. I, we only watched the first, but it's really good. That's it's all really weird. It's uh, Nick Offerman. But he's not funny. No, it's him being weird, which is being really, really cool. Weird. So yeah, uh, what you should know it's it's directed and created by Alex Garland, who also did uh, Annihilation, um, Mortal Kombat. That makes sense. No, the movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman is really really good, and Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac. And well, that makes sense. Domino Gleeson. Yeah, he does tech stuff and mm-hmm. it's all very very unique and this like i said i don't know a whole lot what's going on because i've only watched the first episode too but i think it's really good too mm-hmm. yeah, i uh highly recommend it it is involves look what it looks like to be some kind of tech company doing something that they don't want to release that's very futuristic and could change the world and there's a lot of cover-ups and it's it's just really weird but it's really interesting mm-hmm. and that's just one episode just yep yeah. That's just the first, yeah, that's just the first episode. All that stuff happens. Also, uh, we're watching America's Next Top Model, uh, season 22. Uh, I think it's the last one they did. It's the boys and girls, so, you know. Yes. That's the old news. But I think Steph's watching Project Runway. I think that's her thing right now, so. I watch trash TV. I'm I don't, not ashamed of it. I don't watch trash TV. I watch trash. Do you, boo-boo? Watch what you want to watch. It's just, I don't, I'm not into it. I'll watch, I'll see it, Steph watching it, and casually walk through and go, oh, Okay. But then what do you go do? I usually either make a list for this podcast or I'm playing on my phone or go to my room and edit stuff or read comics, anything other than watch that TV show. Because <laughs> she watches them like during the day. She doesn't watch at nighttime. We watch something we both want to watch together. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that I do want to say, I'm, I, I'm remiss I forgot to say in the episode, last episode, I don't know that you can do it right now, but when everything reopens, go to your libraries, check 
out books, movies, DVD, download Hoopla. You can get audiobooks, ebooks, comics, everything on there too. Um, obviously, most stuff shut down right now, so Hoopla will be your best friend. You can check everything out you can normally from a library via your phone or tablet, and all you have to have is a library card, and you can do it safely from your home. So I want to—I forgot to say that in the last episode, um, but yeah, I want to say that. Well, thank you everyone for listening Ooh, yeah. to Objectively Subjective. I am Blake Allen. Beautiful uh, Blake Allen. The beautiful Blake Allen, excuse me, or Johnny Palm Tree, whatever, whatever <laughs> company you like. Palm Tree. Um, Palm. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Blake underscore all underscore in, or if you like my artwork, which is on screen right now. If I can point to. Oh. Anyways, uh, that's Blake <laughs> Allen Art. That's also on Instagram. There it is. And uh, with me is. I am Paul Jansen. You can find me on Instagram uh, with no art because I can't draw <laughs> at my underscore dad underscore life. And you can find our show uh, on Facebook. Just look up Objectively Subjective. You can find us on there. On Twitter at Objectively Sub. I'm trying to do a better job updating our Twitter. I'm not doing a great job. I'm not a Twitter guy. I'm, so. not, a, I'm not a Twitter guy either. I don't know most people. Most people don't use it anymore. Facebook is the easiest thing for that sort of deal. Um you can find our podcast on Apple. Subscribe. Give us five stars, please. You can say whatever you want about us in the review. Just mm-hmm. please give us five stars. Subscribe. Google all the Google podcasts, Google Play. You can find us. Subscribe on there. You can uh, go to Spotify and follow us on there. And on Stitcher, we're on there. And this episode will also, we have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. So there is video. You can see us uh, wearing the same outfits two weeks in a row <laughs> <laughs> on there. And uh, you can see this big wash. Is that Washington? Uh, no, that's it's a W. It's the Cubs. It's a W. They fly a W flag when they win. The uh, w for a win. I'm like, what? Like, I was wondering that. <laughs> w so what Washington. Is, like, what Washington team do you like? <laughs> uh, look, so anyway, I mean, besides Seattle, but yeah, Seattle, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> So there's literally a Cubs, you can't see it, there's a Cubs pennant right above it with the W flag next to the Cubs symbol. Uh, anyway. Like Washington Beavers or whatever. Washington Beavers. Can't we just end this damn episode? <laughs> so, yes, I'm Paul Jansen. So, I'm Blake. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. <laughs>